Praise the Lord. We've got, uh, we've got it set up a little bit different today. Uh, as Jim went out and designed us some signs, I had uh, three different ladies call me last week and said they drove all of them down the street. They weren't able to find us. So I don't know if you noticed it or not, but we had a pretty nice size sign out there, a two by three, that, you know, that, and Jim designed this in our business cards, and uh, I really think he done an excellent job on those. They really look pretty. So we got the, the colors, but he does things well, I will say. So also today we got a little bit uh, of a more of a uh, audio signal coming back there. I hope you can hear a little better today. Can those of you hear back there all right? I hope. Uh, I've got, we got some little speakers. Uh, we're slowly but surely moving into the revolutionary new stage, you know, of what comes with progress. You know, when you start out when you got five people or ten people, it's no big deal. But when you get a few more than that, uh, you have to talk a whole lot louder or you got to have some electronic amplification. Makes me wonder how our king spoke to five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand without any amplification. I wonder how he done that, huh? They listened. Yeah, he, they listened and he done it by faith. I'll tell you how he done it. He done it by faith. Amen. So I want to praise him just a minute. Father, I want to praise you and thank you and worship you that you're the king of the universe and I want to praise you for the wonderful things that you've done. I want to praise you for this book that I hold in my hand because when I hold this book in my hand, I hold you in my hand. Lord, this is you. The Word is you. And you said that if I can do anything this Word says I can do. I am who this Word says I am. So, Father, I want to thank you and praise you for this magnificent Word, the Word of the living God that declares to us that we're sons and daughters of the King of the universe. And anything we ask you in the name of Jesus, if we do it by faith, it is ours and it cannot fail. So, Lord, help us, help us to get over our unbelief. Help us to get over our doubt. Help us to walk in total, complete faith so we can see you move and do mighty things so that you may be glorified. We know that you want to be glorified, and we know that you are just looking for a man or a woman to pray in faith so you can move by the power of the mighty hovering Holy Spirit that's just hovering over the earth, waiting to do great and mighty things, but you're looking for men and women that will pray and pray in faith. So I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, and I thank you and praise you for this day. And we want to give you all the glory and the praise and the honor for everything because it's all about you. But, Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of your magnificent kingdom on this earth. And we worship you and praise you and thank you for what you're going to do today. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. amen. To start off today, uh, uh, some of you, many of you, uh, have uh, wanted to see my granddaughter. Uh, I've told you, and, of course, last week when I had the big crowd, I had planned for her to be here, and then she didn't. But she is here today. And I did her, uh, Daddy did bring her, and I'm going to get her to come up here if I can. Uh, Caitlin, honey, will you come up here a minute? Can you come up to where Granddaddy's at? I want to hold you up here a minute. I want these people to see you. Uh, this is my little four-year-old granddaughter. This is her daddy, Toby. Come up here, sugar. Granddaddy wants to give God some glory today. Yeah, come up here as the Lord. This, this is, this is. Yeah, this is the little lady. This is a little lady right here. Let me see yeah, that's good, Fred. Frank, let me just, this little lady here was the one that said it was impossible for her to live. But this is what faith will do. This is the one that had the face tore up. This is the one that had the broken legs and, and all the different things. This was the one that when Toby and I, and I don't mind telling you, when Toby, he did, he's not a man of faith like I am yet, but he's working on it. But I'm going to tell you, when he walked into the room and he saw his baby. And he saw those tubes sticking out of her nose that were blood, and he saw that thing stuck in her mouth, and her, 
neck and he saw all that blood running out of her eyes, her nose, and her ears, I'm telling you, he couldn't handle it. He went back outside. And you can understand because he's a normal human being. And his baby was laying there. But I was a man of faith, and I walked in there, and I knew that my king with the promises in that book could not fail us. And here is the result of what faith will do. Even with a severed brain stem, whenever a doctor said it's impossible that she can live, breathe, move, or anything, it's pretty obvious that she is very much alive. So it's, I just wanted you all to see her. I know some of you have asked to see her. So I'm so grateful that Toby brought this precious little thing. She's now running around my house all the time, and we praise the Lord together. So I'm telling you, Lord, we can praise you and worship you and thank you, Lord, for these mighty things that you do. We thank you for your mighty word. And, Lord, I want to praise you and thank you as I know you're going to use this little girl and her daddy in a mighty way. And I know you're going to use her story in many places, Father because you're going to be glorified in what you've done, and I give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. She's the sweetest little girl in my house. Oh, you're going to wipe off granddad's kids. Huh? <laughs> oh, did you see what my baby did to my kids? <laughs> Isn't she a speaker? Isn't she a speaker? Oh, goodness. I'm telling you, she's always got to be a little clown, especially with you. <laughs> oh, goodness. What a God we serve. I'm telling you, if any time you see somebody that says the Word of God does not work and it does not produce miracles anymore, I'm telling you, you got to me too late, didn't we, Colleen? Yeah. You got to me and her, me and Colleen, too late. I mean, we know that miracles work. And I think about this young man, I don't see him here today, but maybe he is, I maybe not see him, but Matthew, uh, when Matthew, he walked in here one day, and, and that's the Sunday we had, all we had was testimonies that Sunday. You know, for two hours, we, people came up and told about what God had been doing in their life. So after the church was over that day, I asked anybody who wanted to come up for prayer. He came up, and of course, I had never seen Matthew before, and I said, young man, what can I pray for you for? He said, I've been in church quite a bit in my life, but I've never heard testimonies like this. I've never saw anything like this. He said, I guess you can cast this demon of doubt and unbelief out of me. <laughs> guess what our problem is? A demons of doubt and unbelief. That's what our problem is. In fact, these, these lovely ladies right over here, uh, you know, they have just had an awesome uh, answer to prayer. Yesterday they were at the healing school. And they were telling me about how a friend of theirs by the name of Vicky had fell and broke her leg. And these ladies, I mean, can you imagine ladies that will take the Word of God and even begin to think that they could pray and ask God to put a bone back together and believe it's going to be healed before they get to the doctor and it really worked? Can you imagine ladies like that? Now, that's what they believe God for. Is that right, ladies? They believe God. And, I, I mean, they believe, when you believe God and you believe Him and you confess with your mouth, that these things work, what does the king do for you? He does miracles, doesn't he? Yes. In fact, uh, this lady over here, Joe, she has uh, purchased me an airplane ticket to go to Mississippi uh, Tuesday morning to pray for this lady that had cancer. And by the time yesterday was over and they got the lady's hip, she said, I really don't think I even need you anymore. <laughs> I said, praise the Lord. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a bunch of believers that don't need me anymore. I want to train you to get it done. And that's the whole thing, praise the Lord. And I might say yesterday we had another awesome testimony. 
uh, a young lady by the name of Debbie Martin. She was praising the Lord when she came in. And last week, she called me, I think it was about Monday, I don't know, maybe the first of the week, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a day or two before that. But anyway, she called, and she said, Thurman, I need you to pray with me about a couple of things. And I said, okay, what are they? And she told me. So after we prayed about those things, she said, oh, by the way, uh, my pastor's uh, relatives, I forget what the relationship was, but one of his uh, relatives somewhere, one of them had a baby, and the baby was born with a brain that wasn't mature. And so the brain, the brain being not mature, the chances were very good this child would grow up never being normal. So she said, would you pray for this baby? And I said, well, sure I will. I said, let's pray right now. Well, she said, right now? I said, yeah, the prayer of agreement really works awesome. And she said, yesterday, immediately the enemy come against her to say, but if I pray with this man, it won't work. See? Isn't that amazing how the enemy attacks us? You know, he attacks you and think, now, Yes, Thurman's got faith, but, you know, you're just an old woman. You know, you don't need to think that, you know, God's going to do nothing good for you. You're just an old nobody. Then she said, I grabbed hold of that and said, no, I'm a daughter of the king. I mean, if I pray, I'm just as good as Thurman is. God will hear my prayer just like he does Thurman. So she said, all right, let's pray. So we prayed. And I asked the Father in the name of Jesus to restore that little brain and do everything and fix him up. What are we doing, Jim? I don't have any audio. I'm looking for you. You've got audio, but we lost the PA system, but I'm hearing something. Where's the other mic? Yeah, it's laying right here, but it's turned off. Yeah, it's off. Okay, because I'm getting some kind of interference. Okay. No, it's... Uh, okay, but in, anyway, I prayed the prayer of faith for her, and uh, then I told her. I said, now, how is it you release your faith? How do you release your faith? Think about that. You've got to know. If you don't know how to release your faith, you can't get anything from God. Let me tell you, the answer is in Romans chapter 10... Verse 8, the Roman, the Scripture says, The Word is near you, it is in your mouth. The Word of faith that we preach. So how do you release your faith? With your mouth. You release your faith with your mouth. You release your faith with your mouth. Romans 10, 8, where is it? The Word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. Now then, if it's Romans 10, 8, says the, the Word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart the Father raised Him from the dead, it says you'll be saved. The Word also means healed. The Word means delivered. It means a whole lot of things. So where is your miracle? In your mouth. It's in your mouth. So how, how did I get this little girl alive again? By speaking with my mouth the word of the living God. So as I spoke the word of God, it brought the miracle into reality. Now then, by knowing these things, knowing that the miracle is in your mouth, if I pray the prayer of faith for this baby, then what do we have to do? We have to tell somebody about it. So by knowing that we got to tell somebody, I told Debbie, I said, now, Debbie, you call somebody in that member of that family and tell them that we prayed the prayer of faith for this baby. And since Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if two of us agree on earth, anything we ask him will be done, you call them and tell them, you guarantee them the baby is healed. 
Now, will that put your faith to the test? I mean, this baby's only been born with a deformed brain, and he ain't going to be normal, you know. I mean, but that'll put your faith to the test, right, brother? So, I mean, now, then, did the Lord make that promise in Matthew 18, 19? Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. So guess what? We are all full of unbelief. We don't believe this book. We doubt because the enemy immediately comes in and he says, Oh, Joe, you're just an old woman. I mean, my, you don't think God's going to do nothing good for you. And as long as you believe that trash, guess what? If you ain't believing it no more, though, are you, girl? You ain't believing it no more. So if God made us a promise and you learn how to release your faith, then you take the Word of God, you pray the prayer of faith for that little child, and then you say, okay, Debbie, you call somebody in that family and tell them you guarantee, we prayed the prayer of faith, you guarantee them that baby's normal. Take them down and have another test. Guarantee them the baby's normal. So she said, I call. She said, first, she didn't know what to do. She said, I got to do that. I said, you got to do that or it don't work. She said, okay. So she said, I couldn't get a hold of a family member, but I got a hold of this associate pastor. I told him, I said, Thurman, the prayer, prayed the prayer of faith for this baby and said, he said to call, tell you to tell somebody to call that family and tell them to guarantee that baby is healed. He said, I receive that in the name of Jesus. That's a good pastor, isn't it? I receive that in the name of Jesus. So he called somebody in the family. He passed it on. Now, what's happening to our faith? It's being passed on. It's being passed on. So he picked up the phone and called a family member. He said, we prayed the prayer of faith for your baby. Your baby's healed. You can take him back and have another check. And the man of faith said he guaranteed your baby would be normal. They took the baby back, and the baby was completely normal. Is God awesome or is he awesome? Yes, praise the Lord. Now then, the thing about it is I'm trying to tell you all these things so you will know how they work. You know, you must know how to release your faith. But you know what most of us in church do? You be around church people for a while, and somebody says, well, would you pray for me, Thurman? I mean, the devil's beating up on my son, or I've, I've been sick this week. Oh, I've got arthritis, or i got lupus, or my, my lupus, my arthritis. I say, hey, that don't belong to you. That belongs to the enemy. Don't start claiming it. What are you releasing when you say, I've got arthritis, or i got lupus, or i got whatever? What are you claiming? You're claiming that sickness and disease. How are you doing it? You're speaking a curse over your own self with your own mouth, and you're claiming the enemy is doing victory over you when Jesus healed you on the cross 2,000 years ago. So, are words important? Absolutely. The most powerful things on the earth. I mean, when you, when you really get a hold of this, when, right, Fred? It's surprising. It's the same thing, but for salvation. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Yeah. When you get a hold of this and you, you'll lead people to Jesus, how does a person come into the kingdom of God? You tell them about Jesus. They have to believe what you tell them, that Jesus died on a cross for you. He went to hell for you. He arose from the dead for you. He paid the total price for everything you couldn't do to save you. And he turned and said, here it is. It's a free gift. All you've got to do is reach out and take it. And when he hands this magnificent free gift to any of it, it's for everybody on the earth. And any human being, any time, can just reach out and take that gift and say, I want that, and believe it and receive it, Ted, and it's yours, right? That's right. It's a free gift. Healing or all these other things are the same way. 
Everything is ours. The king paid for it all. If he made that promise to you and I, think of this just one mighty promise the king made. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. J.C., will that blow your socks off or will that blow your socks off? It, it is. It's beyond our imagination that the blank checks our king has given us and then the enemy. I mean, he comes in. And I mean, when you start trying to act on these things, he will get you. Oh, my goodness. Think of all those bad things you did. You don't think God would do nothing good for a little girl like you. Well, you can't listen to the beast. You got to, even when you're a little girl like this little girl, you got to grab the devil by the tail with the sword of the spirit and kick him out the door because he don't care if you're a little girl or an old man or an old woman. That devil hates every one of us the same. And he come to kill, steal, and to destroy. Right, brother? And if he puts a symptom upon you, when the devil puts a symptom upon you, now this is where the church misses it. When a symptom is put upon you, what does the majority of church members do when you get a tremendous pain or something somewhere? What do you do? Huh? We agree with it. That's right, Susan. We agree with it, and we immediately go to the doctor, and you say, Doctor, I've got this tremendous pain in my side. It feels like I might be coming down with appendicitis or something. Now, what have you just done? You've spoken a curse over yourself with your own tongue. Whereas all the time you had authority to keep that away from you, and I'm going to tell you the devil cannot do anything to you until you, if you're a man or a woman of God, the devil can do nothing to you until you give him legal right with your tongue. When you just don't realize the power in your tongue. Just like these two precious ladies over I just met this weekend. When these two ladies can get to where with their tongue, they can speak the prayer of agreement over a sister that fell and broke her leg, and there was a crack in everything in the hip and everything, and they prayed the prayer of agreement and believed and began to confess the right things whenever the lady goes back to the doctor and they recheck it. There's nothing there. Is that awesome or is that awesome? Absolutely awesome. But what kind of power did the king give you two girls? Unlimited power. Don't y'all think it's about time we in the church started acting on this awesome power? I mean, isn't it awesome? It is so awesome. But you, you, know how, you know what you have to do to make that work? You have to walk in the Spirit. You know what it means to walk in the Spirit? It means to walk in the Word. It means to hide the word in your heart. Right, Benjamin? You hide the word in your heart. If you hide the word in your heart, then you'll do what the word says and you'll not live in the flesh. Because if you don't hide the word in your heart, guess where you're going to live? Every young man, or young man and young woman, I should say, when they're little, especially little kids, if they haven't been raised in an extremely good, good family to teach them what's right and wrong, what will those kids just do in the home? I mean, they'll have fights. They'll have knockdowns, drag outs. You don't have to teach them how to do that. They know how to do that because it was born 
evil. You have to train them how to be lovers. You have to train them, right, J.C.? You have to train them how to be lovers. Now, if you train them, and how do you train them? By the Word, by example. You have to confess the Word. And then if you'll walk in the Word, and you'll do what the Word says by reading it. Now, how often do you think you ought to, if God says, I'm a jealous God, and I want you to put me first in your life. If you want me to do anything for you, you must do what Fred said a while ago. He even wants the plants, the hills, the water, I mean the oceans and the seas. He wants everything to worship him, to praise him. You think this God we serve enjoys us worshiping and praising him? I think so. Like Fred said a while ago, he inhabits the praise of his people. But let me tell you what he won't do for you. You come to church on Sunday and you worship and praise the king. And you're just on cloud nine. You're just having a great day. But you leave here this afternoon and you don't mention Jesus anymore tonight. You don't mention him in the morning. You don't wake up praising the king tomorrow. You don't read his word in the morning. You don't talk to him tomorrow. You go to do your normal things. Maybe you talk like everybody else does. Normal trash talk that people talk. Maybe not too bad, bad stuff, but once in a while a little bad word or something. Or you got to tell a little dirty joke, or not too bad because you know you're a Christian, so you don't want to really be off on the bad side, but you want to be just enough to be one of the guys or gals. And you don't even talk about Jesus until all of a sudden you realize, hey, it's Saturday night, it's well, Sunday. we got to go to church again in the morning. Guess what you are not going to get from the king? In fact, guess who's going to come by your house? Guess who's going to come by your house? You know, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? And it ain't Jesus, right? No, the devil. The enemy's going to come by your house, and you ain't going to like what he leaves in your house. So, but if you wake up every morning, you wake up every morning, the first thing you do when you wake up is say, Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm praising you and worshiping you, and I thank you for this glorious day. Lord, today, you said I have to use Jesus as my example, so I'm to go and sin not at all today. So, Lord, also, Jesus fasted pretty regular. So I'm going to fast, you know, today. I'm not going to eat today. I'm just going to spend a little time with you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to thank you today. So you spend all day with Jesus that day. You worship him. You don't eat anything. You just eat this. You eat the word. You worship the king. You praise him. You tell him how much you love him and everything. And by the time the afternoon's over, if you, as a woman or a man, your spouse, if you'd have treated your spouse like that all day, if you had just literally been worshiping your spouse, you'd have been doing everything your spouse liked. I mean everything your spouse. I mean even, Colleen, if Paul had done that to you all day long, if he wanted a good supper tonight, would you give it to him? He wouldn't even have to ask, would he? <laughs> you get the idea, right? So if you come to the king in prayer, somebody calls and says, I've got a baby, that the brain is not developed completely, would you be willing to pray for me? I said, Absolutely. I prayed the prayer of faith and said, it's done because the king said so. Now then, call them and tell them the baby's healed. When you do that, guess what the king does when you pray? He says, I'm just waiting for him to ask me for something. I'm just waiting. Let me go do it right now. And re he really believes that stuff. He told that girl to go tell somebody, and she went and told a preacher, and he believed, and he called the family and told them. He guaranteed them the baby was healed. That's not a normal preacher today, is it, Fred? But praise God, there's a few of them not normal today, Benjamin. Praise God, there's a few of them that still believe the Word. 
And whenever it does that, what does it call our king on the scene to do? Mighty miracles. Mighty miracles. It calls him on the scene. Of course, it's easy to talk about these miracles when you've got miracles sitting all around. You know, when you've got two ladies sitting over here, just seen one, you know, and then I've got mine sitting about right back there, and who knows how many other miracles we've got sitting in this place today. It's easy to talk about miracles. And, of course, right back there, we've got the Raymond sitting back there, you know. Last Sunday, Raymond was here. Some of you people don't know that Raymond and Miss Nancy, I'll tell those of you that weren't here last Sunday, uh, a year and a half ago on December the 31st when I was called to pray for him for uh, back in about October, he started having a problem and he had a uh, brain tumor developed and it pushed on his optic nerve and he was totally, completely blind. I went over there and met with Nancy and Raymond and we met in her office on the 31st of December of the year 2000 and I taught that woman and that little boy, the Word of God, for about four hours, and then I prayed for him for an hour and a half, and then I guaranteed them that he'd see again. Did I not, Nancy? I guaranteed that she would see again because Jesus made us all these promises. And in a matter of weeks, Raymond could see again. And now then, he has graduated from high school now. He's been graduated. His eyes are good. He graduated with a straight-A student, and he's fixing to go to some kind of electrical engineering or something here at one of the universities here in this area. And just think how good God is when you learn how to get him to move. Now, just think. Do you know the possibility is so good that the enemy was trying to blind this young man and that the tumor might not have stopped with his eyes? It could have exploded in his brain, and this boy could have been in a grave today. You know that? Except for the power of God. And when you get a hold of these promises, God's word works. And he allows the enemy to attack us in the church to do these kind of things to us to drive us, the body of Christ, to this book to learn. When you've got a son that's got a brain tumor, you don't want him to have a brain tumor, right? So if you don't want him to have a brain tumor, then you're going to have to go somewhere to do something. And guess what? Most of us do. Most of us go to a doctor. When we go to the doctor, sometimes doctors help. I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for doctors, most of us would be dead. you know that? Because we don't know what it means to walk by faith. We don't have a clue when the Lord clearly told us in his word, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We don't know what that means. But when you begin to get a hold of what that means, then anytime anything happens, what's the first thing you do, Wendell? You pray or you call on the name of Jesus. Right, son? That's a Jacob word. You don't ever sweat nothing no more. I mean, when you know that you've got a nuclear bomb in your hand, this is the best benefit package you can have. In fact, the other day, whenever uh, I was uh, let loose from my job permanently, they sent me a deal. They said, you no longer have benefits. If you want to have your health insurance and all that kind of stuff, just fill this out and send us four or $500 a month, and you can have it. And I said, man, i got the best benefit package in the world right here. I don't need yours. I don't need you. Right, Wally? We got the best benefit package in the world right here. This benefit package right here says, Forget not all the Lord's benefits. Psalms 103. I am the God who forgives all of your sins. Not part of them, right, Susan? All of your sins. I'm the God that heals a few of your diseases. Oh, that's not what he said, huh, Benjamin? I'm the God that heals all of your diseases. I'm the God that satisfies your mouth daily with good things. And I'm the God that renews your youth daily like the eagles. With a benefit package like that, give me a break. You know, 
with a benefit package like that, what are you going to do with that? You're going to take that and you're going to take it to the bank, right? It's going to meet all of your needs. Now then, today we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while today. We're going to teach on communion today, and we're going to take communion. We haven't done that in a while. Now, I, I, normally, I normally do that at least myself. I take communion at least once a week. Every week I take communion at least once a week. And I just kind of forget that we all need to have communion. So today we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and that's where our teaching is going to be all around communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to see what the Lord has to say here about communion. This is a great and mighty thing that we are to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to start verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now, that's the first problem we have in the church today. I mean, it is amazing. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. You know what? There should be no divisions among us in the church. But I, don't have, I just don't understand how the enemy can deceive us, and we can all carry the same Bible to church, and yet we can all interpret this thing in so many different ways. But the other night when I was sitting there talking to my son, he told me, he said, Dad, a few years ago you didn't understand it like that either. I said, yeah, you're right, son, you're right. Uh, I said, what I know today, you know, a few years ago, if somebody had told me these things, I'd have probably said, you know, yeah, sure, huh, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you'd have told me when I was, uh, if you'd have told me when I was 30 years old, or if you'd have told me when I was in Vietnam, when I was 25 years old, that I had authority over all the power of the enemy, and that I had authority over storms, that I could command hail to stop, if you'd have told me I had that kind of power and authority, I could have walked through those places in Vietnam without any fear. But I didn't have a clue who I was. I didn't have a clue. But I'm telling you, after a dedicated study of this book, in fact, I'm going to tell you, since Toby, my son-in-law, is here tonight, or today, the first time he saw me step outside of our house when a tornado was literally tearing up buildings, ripped the top off the barn, tore the kids' playhouse pieces, it just, I mean, it was just devastating what was going on. When I walked outside, and he walked outside, and he said, Wow, what a win! Just as I'm jumping up screaming, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. Peace be still. You know what happened? In one heartbeat, bam, the wind went from 100-plus miles an hour to a light breeze, and everything stopped. And I'm telling this because he's sitting right over there. I asked him quite a while after that. I said, Toby, you ever tell those guys, them Christian guys down there where, where you work, about that, what happened that night? He said, Thurman, you think I'm crazy? <laughs> Is that right, Toby? Yeah. That's right. Now then, he saw what I did. But although he worked in an office with a group of men, four, five, six, seven, eight of them, whatever there was, and most of them professed to be very strong Christian men. And he would just try to tell them some of the little things he saw me do. And you know what they'd say? Yeah, okay, Toby, you know, sure, you know, you know, you know, okay, Toby, yeah, you know, 
Yeah. So he said, you think I'm going to tell them I saw you take authority over a tornado and it stopped? He said, they don't think I'm crazy when I tell them that you get somebody healed once in a while. But let me tell you, whenever we were in our little deal down there with Caitlin, all those guys came down to pray with us. And all those men met me, and all those men got to see this miracle develop. And they all knew. So I'm going to tell you, it did have a change on some of those men's lives. I mean, you, you see the miracles. But guess what? Faith does not come by seeing miracles. Faith comes by hearing God's Word. But you know what it will do when you see God do a miracle, or you hear somebody tell what happened to your mother-in-law or your mother or what any of these great things, when you see somebody else do it, what are the chances it will drive you to the Word to try to find out how they did it? It'll do that, won't it, J.C.? So if it drives you to the Word and you begin to read this Word out loud, not silently, when you begin to read it out loud, guess what will begin to happen to your faith? It will begin to develop and it'll get strong. And then you'll get to where you're... Looks like Brenda over there. I mean, man, Brenda has become a warrior in the kingdom. I, hadn't you, Brenda? Yes, she has. She'll agree with me. And I remember when that la- I remember the first time I met that little lady and her husband sitting there. When I went to their home, her husband was on his deathbed, and uh, that's why I was invited there. Dan was not supposed to have lived, right? He was not supposed to live. And I went over there and met with them and their Methodist preacher and spent four hours with them on a Saturday morning and then we prayed for him, and the Lord healed that man. And that's been how many years ago? Ninety-six. See, when you see that, and of course, then this little lady, she said, hey, there's something to this stuff. And so it whet her appetite for sure, and she started studying and getting in the Word, and it wasn't long she had to leave her Methodist church and go to another church that talks about the Holy Spirit. Right, Brenda? Because she realized there's something more than what she had been taught. And then, Dan, he's coming along now. He's learning about the Word, and praise God. What happens when you start serving God? It changes everything in your family. It just changes everything about you, doesn't it, Colleen? It makes life so good. Praise the Lord. Okay. There should be no divisions among us, for there must be also heresies among you, and that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating everyone taketh before others his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Now then, these people come into church, and they're bringing a little food, and they come in here, I mean, they're like a bunch of pigs. You know, I mean, this is the way we are as human beings. You know, we come in here, and, I mean, it happens today. You go to a church, and I'm going to tell you, so many parents will not control their children, and you can have an outing in church, and maybe there's not quite enough food, you think, for everybody. And the kids will come running through there, and nobody tells them, now just take a small helping, because we want everybody to be served. You get a little bit, them kids will come through there, and I've seen them. My wife used to be the church hostess, and I've seen her say, my goodness, some of these parents ought to control these kids. They're heaping their plates up. You know they can't eat all that stuff, so they take it outside and waste half of it and everything else. It's amazing what we don't do with our kids. We don't watch our children. But guess whose responsibility those kids are? They're yours. They're mine as men and women of God. I mean, sometimes when I'm in a place, uh, just like this last week, I was in a a place of business and a child came up there, and, man, he's he's just tearing up stuff. And I just walked over, and in fact, this one kid, in fact, it was a grocery store, 
and this one kid was punching out his little brother. I mean, they were having a knockdown drag out. I just walked over and grabbed him. I said, hey, son, let's cut that out. And I turned, and there's his mother. His mother turned around, and I said, ma'am, if you don't want me to intervene, you need to take care of your kids. But I said, I ain't going to let them sit there and beat up on each other. I said, I'm a man of God, and I don't believe in fighting. And I said, if I'm in here, if you ain't going to do something, I'm going to. I think that's what we ought to do. So guess what? She come over and told her kids, y'all quieten down, quit, quit the nonsense. Huh? Okay, because if you ain't going to do it, I'm going to. You know, I, it's, it's, un, it's unbelievable how we don't take care of our children. It says, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before his, other, his own supper, and another is hungry, and another is drunken. What have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I praise you not. He's pretty clear, isn't he? So if you're going to eat, if you want to eat, you stay home. You know, when you're going to eat your normal dinner, you eat that at home. You don't come to the Lord's house to gorge yourself on food. You come here to take the Lord's Supper when we come to take the Lord's Supper. Now, if we have an outing or something and there's all kinds of food there, there's not anything wrong with people eating and eating all you want if there's plenty. I'd have a problem with that. But you know what would make all of us a whole lot better if we would do? We would take the Lord's example and we would fast more often. The Lord plans for you and me to live a fasted life. You know, I mean, when Jesus needed, he said, this kind comes out, this kind of unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. So if the Lord says this kind of unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting, why don't we stay prayed up on a regular basis? Why don't we stay fasting on a regular basis? Why don't we eat a small amount so that we don't gorge ourselves, so that any time we need to be called on to do the Lord's work, we're ready. We're equipped. We don't have to go out and say, well, let me go get my Bible and see what I can figure out what I can do. We shouldn't have to do that. We ought to be ready and prepared because guess what? If you're sitting in the seat of an airplane, like I have done so many times, and all of a sudden the top begins to rip off of that airplane and a ball of fire comes down through the center of that thing, you ain't got time to look up the Word of God. Now, I know a man, I heard this man's testimony was on one of those airplanes in the Canary Islands back about 15 years ago, and when that ball of fire started down through that, he began to scream Psalms 91 out loud. Scream it. You shall see this, the wrath they shall come near you, Ten, a thousand shall fall at your right hand, ten thousand your left hand, but that shall not come near you. He began to scream those things. A ball of fire came right through the center of that airplane. And he didn't touch him at all. And he told the woman, he said, next to said, woman, get out, let's get out of this airplane. He said, I hit her like that. And her body was severed completely in two, and her body fell off in the, in the floor. She was dead. He turned and looked, and the man to his left was burned all to pieces, and he was dead. He said, I didn't even have a smell of smoke on me. He said, I jumped. He said, I'm getting out of here. He said, he, this guy was 50 years old. He's still screaming the word of God. He jumped. It's 10 feet to the top of a 747. How many of you know a 50-year-old man that can springboard 10 feet high? I don't know one. But if you've got an angel under you, guess what you can do? That angel lifted him because he was speaking God's Word. And he went out over the top of that thing, slid down the side of that airplane, ran out to the end of the wingtip, and the wingtip on a 747 is three and a half stories, 35 feet off of the ground. 
and he jumped into the grass, screaming the word of God, hit the, word, hit the ground running, and never got a sprained ankle. Does the word of God work? Yes, I think it works. You know what's wrong with us today? We don't know the word, and we don't believe it works. And then whenever somebody says, I guarantee you this girl is going to run and play again, and the Christians will even tell you, sir, it's impossible. What are they going by? Totally by what they see. Sir? They have a small God. This is the same God I used to have. Mine used to be that way. But I've kind of let him kick the edges of the box out a little, hadn't we, Wendell? Yeah, praise the Lord, just a little. But as you, as you release your faith with your mouth and say what the Word declares, what can you have from the Lord, Susan? Whatever the Word says. So if the Word declares you can have anything you want and out of your mouth you continue to say, this little girl will run and play. I mean, when you walk in, just like I did that baby the other day, I said, now then, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to restore this other little baby's brain and make it full and do it perfectly. I said, thank you, Lord. Your word declares it, so it's done. I said, now then, call them and tell them the baby is perfect in the name of Jesus, and I guarantee it's done. You hear any faith in that, Joe? Okay, so if you want to make the miracles work for you, you're going to have to do the same thing I do, right? And if you start doing that, Woo, you girls are going to start seeing bigger and better. I know I, the devil's in trouble with these two girls. So I just met these girls. But I can tell you, I can see in their eyes the devil's in trouble. He's trembling. You know that too, don't you? <laughs> I love it when people get a hold of the Word. Don't you, Fred? I love it. It says here, okay, he don't praise us for the crazy things we did, but he says, for I have received, verse 23, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now, what did he do? He gave thanks. What should you do every time you sat down to break bread? Give thanks. I mean, what if you sat down to drink a glass of water? Does it pay good dividends to bless your glass of water, Fred? Absolutely awesome. Fred, he has got a revelation since he's in the water business. When he's seen what happens when you praise over, pray over water, I think he now prays over every case of water he sends out of here because he's realized what it does when you pray and bless anything. Now, just think. If, you, if everything you put into your physical body, if you bless it, in the name of Jesus, and you do it by faith, what is it going to do to the molecular structure of that food or water? It's going to change it. You agree with that, Fred? It does. It changes it. Why do you think the Lord told us to do everything with thanksgiving? For our benefit, right? So why do we, like dummies, not do it? I mean, how many Christians you know that go sit down to eat and never say thank you for a food? Never. I mean, they might do it at home if the family's there. And it's the evening meal and they're all sitting around a quiet table and there's no guests. Well, what about in a restaurant where there's people all around? I even went out with a pastor one time. I was so happy. My wife, we, we went out and we had a, a pastor years ago. He was a great man of God. 
about 20 of us went to a restaurant together, a bunch of us deacons and their wives and so forth, you know. We sat down, and, man, he just started gobbling up his food. My wife sat there and watched him eat about three bites, and she said, he, she's kind of looking, he said, something wrong, Betty? She said, yeah, we're not going to pray over this. <laughs> he said, oh, yes, we're going to pray. <laughs> he prayed such a nice, sweet little prayer after that. But praise God for a woman, you know, that put him in his place. You know, are we not going to pray over this? And I thought, oh, I was sitting there watching her. I thought, I know what she's going to do. So I'm just going to let her do it. Praise God. You know where this name come from? The Living Savior Ministries. You know who give that name? My wife. Whenever I was saying, honey, what am I going to call this ministry? She said, that's simple. I said, what? The Living Savior, she said. I said, I love that. So that's where I got that name. My wife named the ministry. Praise God. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So when we take the body, the piece of bread, we are literally eating the flesh of our Savior. We are taking by faith into the spiritual realm we're taking by faith, we're literally eating his flesh by eating the bread. Awesome, isn't it? After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you, as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Now then, as often as we do it. So how often can you do that? As often as you want to. You know, if you want to do it every day. In fact, I have been contemplating myself uh, doing this at home. In fact, sometimes I do it every Sunday, but some days I do it even during the week. And I was thinking the other day, technically speaking, what I really should do, I should start taking communion every day, every day of my life. Did you know there is great and awesome power in the blood and the bread of the Savior? I mean, awesome power. Because when you take that spiritually, you're taking of Him. You're putting His flesh and His blood inside of you spiritually. You're literally eating and drinking the blood. Now think about what He did. In the Old Testament, did He allow them the blood that they used, which the blood of goats and animals, to sprinkle on the mercy seat, would he allow them in the Old Testament to drink any kind of blood? Absolutely forbidden. You're not to drink the blood because the life is in the blood. And he said, you're not to drink the blood. But when Jesus came, what did he command us to do with his blood? To drink it. We are to drink his blood. We are to drink it because where is the power? In the blood. That's where the life is at, in the blood. For as often, in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. You think this is a very serious matter? It's very serious. 
shall drink this and eat this blood and eat this bread unworthily, you will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. Now, that means ladies too, of course. But let a person examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, one of the things I realize that the church today, one of the ways that you may or may not have thought about this, it took me a long time to get this, but when I eat of the Lord's flesh and drink of his blood, if I didn't know that the healing power of Jesus was in that body, I'm taking it unworthily. If you don't know what that bread, that body did for you, you're taking it unworthily. Now then, how many people in the church today know that the word that Jesus says, literally, by my stripes you were healed? How many people really believe that? I mean, we've all heard that, haven't we? Yes, we, we do really believe that. But how many people, when they take of that, will turn around and take communion, take the Lord's uh, body and his, bre- his uh, wine, his blood, and then turn around and say as you're walking out, you know, I haven't been feeling well at all, and I probably have got, I've had pains in my knees real bad, so I've probably got arthritis, and I've had it so long, I guess I better go down to the doctor and have it checked out. You ever heard Christians say things like that? Sure. Or I got this terrible, terrible headache and this terrible runny nose, and I guess I'm going to be sick. You know, I've been sick for a week, and I don't know what to do about it. Well, we come and take communion, and we talk about it, and they say, well, yeah, I mean, I know that with his, I've heard somebody say, with his stripes I'm healed, but I guess I better run down to the doctor and get my check out here to see what's wrong with me. Guess what? You didn't believe God at all, did you, Wendell? Not at all. You either didn't know, and I think that's the problem, is we don't know. Don't you, Brent? I think the church does not know what the Lord did for us. And then he says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. What he done for you on that cross through his body. With his body, he gave you all power. He, he healed you through his stripes. And then look at what he says in verse 30. He confirms what I just said in verse 30. For this cause, what cause? Because you didn't discern the Lord's body, because you ate and drank unworthily, not knowing what this meant. For this cause, many are sick, are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. You know what the word sleep means there? Die. Many of you die early. Now that if you don't know what the power of the blood has done for you, If you don't know that Jesus, by his stripes, you were healed, if you didn't know that he bore all your pain and all your sickness and all your disease, and he, according to the blood, gave you power over the enemy, if you don't know those things, guess what you're going to experience in life? Lots of sickness and disease. The enemy's going to come upon you. He's going to beat up on you. And you're going to have all kinds of sickness and disease. And every time the enemy comes up on you and tries to make you sick, 999 out of 1,000 Christians out of their own mouth, they will line right up and agree with that devil 
and they'll start saying what he's trying to do to you. Do you know that? He will do that to you. And as he does that to you, then the devil stands back and laughs at you in the court of heaven when he's sitting up there. Here's the judge sitting right here. Here's Jesus over here. Here's the devil standing over here. And the devil says, Well, Lord, I sent a demon down there to put sickness and disease on your little servant Thurman down there. And when a pain came upon him, did you hear what he said? He's sick. He don't feel good. He's hurting. He's going to go to the doctor. He said, You hear what he's saying? Yes, I hear what he's saying. You did, you did say in your word, which is forever settled in heaven, that every man shall eat the fruit of his tongue. Right, Lord? Yes, Lord. Yes, that's what I said. So he's going to eat the fruit of his tongue. He says he's sick. Guess what? When he gets that doctor, guess what? I'm going to have a sickness put on him. He's going to suffer. I'm going to put it on him. But guess what? I don't have to put up with that nonsense. It took me most of my life to learn I don't have to put up with that. It took me most of my life to understand that this book says that if Jesus bore my sickness and removed my disease, then goodness gracious, why is me and him both going to have it? If Jesus bore my sickness and bore my pain and removed my disease, and then he comes and tells me that when I partake of the bread and the juice, there's great power and authority in that, and that I have all power over the enemy, all power, and the enemies where sickness and disease comes from, you think I'm going to ever confess with my mouth again that I'm ever going to be sick? I ain't no way. Guess what I'm going to confess out of this mouth? The word of the living God. When you convert, confess the word of the living God, what will it do? It'll bring impossible creative miracles into existence for you. Impossible with man. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, if all things are possible with God, and you release your faith with your tongue, now then, if the problem comes upon you, you're going to take your tongue, and you're going to quote God's Word to Him. And when you quote God's Word to Him, it's going to bring a little lady back to life that they say can't live through the day, and she's going to be in church sitting back there playing while you're talking. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I love it, don't you, Ted? I love it. I love it. I mean, if you ever, if there was ever anybody that says that uh, God is impossible today, He don't do creative miracles, I'm going to tell you, me and Toby got one, hadn't we, Toby? We got one sitting right there. And that little lady's playing, having a good time with Brenda there. I mean, it praise God. And to think that all I had to do one time was to say when they said, she ain't going to live through the day. All I had to do is agree with them, Wally, one time. And when I agreed with them, guess what? You know what that devil would do when I went home that first night? You know what, you know what thoughts that devil put in my mind? Oh, she's not going to live. Just You might as well just go ahead and get ready. You just bury her in the casket with her mama. She's not going to live. It's impossible. Do you hear what that doctor's saying? She can't live. She ain't going to live. I said, oh, no, devil. She's going to live. She's not only going to live. She's going to run and play again, and God is going to get great glory out of this because I ain't yielding to you. The Word makes me the promises, and I'm going to stand on them, ain't we, J.C.? Amen. We're going to stand on God's promises. When He makes me these kind of promises, then He says, For this cause many are sick and weakly among you, and many die early. So when you learn this, let me tell you, 
Just like I've said a many a time when I walk out of church and somebody tells me, man, that preacher stepped on my toes today. I said, then repent and change your wicked ways and you won't have to worry about him talking on them next week. Is that right? Is that, I mean, I mean, if I'm in church somewhere and a preacher preaches something and it steps on my toes, brother, I'm going to repent. He ain't going to walk on them next week the same way. I guarantee if he does, I'm pretty dense. You know? I mean, I mean, you should never, never walk out of church and say, he stepped on my toes today. You should say, hey, I saw where I messed up. I repent, Lord. Because guess who, guess who you're not going to be judged by? The preacher. But guess who is going to judge you? The king. You know, and so it's a whole lot better to do what he says here in the Word. Now, then, if if you don't know these things, if many of you are weak and sickly and many die early because you don't discern properly the body of Christ and the, the blood, then we need to learn how to properly discern the body, right? So we don't have to worry about sleeping early or dying early or being sick and weak. That's just like this last week a woman called me. She was asking me about some things. Actually, what she wanted to do, she wanted to buy a few acres of land off of my place. And I told her I wasn't interested in selling any at this time. And as we talked, I I asked her if she was a Christian. She said, yes, she was. She was a member of the Church of Christ. I told her, I said, well, all I can say is the devil has deceived the Church of Christ almost as bad as he has the Baptist Church where I'm in. And she said, well... I'm, when I say the Church of Christ, I'm a member of the LDS Church, the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. I said, oh, you are? She said, yes, I am. I said, well, let me tell you, ma'am, your Jesus and mine is not the same. Is it raining? Praise the Lord. I said, your Jesus and mine's not the same. I said, your Jesus and Lucifer were brothers. She said, I didn't know that. I said, you need to check out your book. I said, it says Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And I said, you know something else? You know what they're teaching you? That you can become good enough to become a god, and therefore you'll be able to rule your own planet? Well, she said, yeah, I've heard of that. I said, you know, they also teach that, first of all, you must be a man, and that your scripture says that God the Father, he was once a man, and he developed himself into a perfect being, and then he became God of the universe. I said, have you ever heard that? Well, she said, I've not heard that. I said, that's in y'all's book. But I said, if that's true, if you got to be a man first and then become good enough to become God, I said, if we had to be a man first, where'd all this mess come from? Because I'm going to tell you, there ain't no human being could have called all this into existence as a man and then ever get good enough. She said, I didn't know all those things. I said, let me tell you, you better check out your book. She said, how do you know so many things? You sound so young and so strong. I said, well, I said, how old do you think I am? She said, on the telephone, you sound like you're 35 years old. I said, praise God. I said, I am strong and bold as a lion, but I said, I'm 63. She said, it can't be. I said, ma'am, when you got the benefit package of the Jesus I serve, you got the benefit package of the Jesus I serve, I said, he'll keep you, he'll renew your youth daily like the eagles. But I said, I'm telling you what I'm telling you because I don't want you to die and go to hell. I don't want you to come to the end of your life out there one day and you fall off the edge and now then there's a flaming fire of hell down there and there's the heavens up there and the devil comes and gets you and you say, but Jesus! And he said, I don't know who you are. You served the wrong Jesus. I'm not the one that was the brother of Lucifer. I created him, but I was never his brother. I was his master. 
and I'm still his master, but I was never his brother. And the God the Father, that's my father, was never a man. He was always God. So she said, well, I'm going to check this out. I said, well, I guarantee if I was you, I most definitely would. But I said, I've already checked it out. I know what I'm telling you is the truth. Now then, how many ways will the devil come to deceive you? There is unlimited number of ways he will come to deceive you. If you want to get the revelation from this word and learn what it says and be able to act on it and do what it says, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to study it and you're going to have to put God first. When you put God first, when you put him first and you love him and worship him and praise him, this little story I I illustrated a while ago about Colleen and Paul here. I said if Paul would do everything right, and I mean he'd wake up every morning praising this woman, telling her how beautiful she was and how much he loved her and all these things, and that's all she heard. I mean he could get anything from this woman he wanted. I guarantee. And she's even shaking her head, yes, guarantee. We all know that. Why, if it works like that between two human beings, if God says, I'm a jealous God and I want you to love me and worship me and praise me, why don't we start doing that? So as a couple, if we will fall off the side of the bed in the morning and begin to worship and praise the king and we always thank him for our food we talk about him during the day we worship him and praise him all during the day when you do have a need but you probably won't ever have one but if you do when you come and ask him for it or somebody else has a need and they call you on the phone and you pray the prayer of faith guess what the king will do for you miracles miracles does he pay good dividends brother amen I mean do I love do I love having these kind of miracles? When a little lady called me for a little tiny t- baby that I've never even seen, and I get to pray the prayer of faith and then tell them I guarantee the baby's healed, and they take it back to the doctor in a couple of days, and the doctor says, I don't know what happened. The brain's completely developed. It's perfect. I don't know what happened. Mama would love that too, wouldn't she? Yes. Being a mama, we can love those things. But guess what's available to all of us? All these things are available to every one of us. But you've got to know it. In verse 31, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now that is a mouthful, isn't it? Now then, if you say, Lord, let me judge myself according to the Word. The Word says in you there was no sin. So Lord, let me see, is there any place I am missing it? Is there any place that I've sinned today? Lord, I don't want to sin. I want to walk holy and perfect and upright before you. I want to let every word comes out of my mouth bring glory and honor to your name. I don't want anything wrong. I want to do everything perfect. People say, you're a fool. You can't be perfect. Well, if God told me to be perfect and he commanded me to be perfect, at least I ought to shoot for it, don't you think? Yeah, don't you think so, Wendell? Well, at least try. Amen. You know, if we try, we might hit it, right, Wally? Right. And then the Lord clearly says, for every servant or every disciple that becomes like his master, we shall be able to do what our master done. Now, is it worth shooting for? Now, then, if you can become like your master, Jesus, then what did your master Jesus do? I mean, he controlled the storm. 
He controlled everything. He controlled the weather. I mean, he controlled sickness and disease. He spoke and demons left. He spoke and bodies were healed. He spoke and demons left people. He spoke and arms fell, come back in. He spoke and heart attacks were whipped. I mean, praise God, there's one right there. I mean, Wally, he fought that battle for two or three days, but he realized who he was fighting against and what he had to do. And that guy had been beat up on by the devil. And, I mean, the devil had tried everything. But he finally, after about three days of fighting that battle in his apartment by himself, he was completely healed of his heart problem. And now he's out as a contractor working and doing anything and everything he wants to do and in perfect health. Isn't it, doesn't, it, doesn't it pay great dividends? Oh, we can praise the Lord for this. Now, then, if you judge yourself. Now, what if you don't judge yourself? What if you say, but, Lord, I got these little pet sins. I want to do this. You know, I mean, Lord, I realize this tiny little sin. I mean, I, I love doing this, Lord, and I know it's so tiny that you probably can't see it, but it's so big that I can't live without it. And guess what he'll let you do? He'll let you keep it. But if you keep it, guess, what's going to, guess who's going to judge you? The king is going to judge you. And when the king judge you, guess what? You ain't going to lack the consequences. You ain't going to like the consequences. But that's the whole problem. He says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged by the Lord. I'd hold up rather judge myself and him judge me. I'd rather say, Lord, worry, am I messing up? I want to walk holy before you. I want all my sins confessed, and I want to walk straight down that line. Lord, I don't want, no, I don't want to deviate right or left. I want to walk down that road. And if you do, then he says, sure, that's the problem. If you are a mother or father, and your children were to walk that fine line before you, and everything you asked them to do, they had done it perfect. If they come and ask Daddy for something, what would you give them, Dad? Whatever you could. You'd give them anything you had because they're obedient. Now then, if we have judged ourselves and we walk obedient before the king and then we come and have a need and we ask him, what will he give us, Susan? Anything we ask for, right? Yes, anything we ask for. And you won't have to have any more sickness and disease. I mean, he promised to take it away from us. You don't have to be sick, but you're going to have to learn how to do it God's way, I can assure you. Then he says, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Now then, I don't want to have to be judged by the Lord. Because he says there, if I am judged, he's going to chasten me. I don't like that. I don't like that. Been there and done that. Been there and done that. Okay, yeah. And it wasn't no fun, was it, Wally? Wasn't no fun. Now, it doesn't make any difference if you're a young person like this little lady right here, or you're an older man like me, or you, Frank, me and you's on up there in years, you know, but don't make, if we sin, we still, and we don't judge ourselves, the king's going to judge us, right? Now, if we're old or young, it don't make no difference. We don't like it, do we? So it's better, it's better to judge ourselves and to get everything right and walk holy before the king, right? And then we don't have to be judged by the Lord. So there's a lot of magnificent things here we should do. Then he says, Wherefore, my brother, in verse 33, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. So when we take the Lord's Supper, what should we do? We should wait and do it all together, you know, not just one at a time. We should take it all together. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. 
and that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take this bread and this juice that we're going to take here, as we do that, we're going to pass this out. And uh, I'd like to, uh, let's see, uh, somebody, somebody get that uh, pan of bread there. Who, anybody? Uh, well, if you want to, Wendell. Just take that, uh, and I've only got one of those. I'm going to have to get another one of those. I didn't get one. I did get two deals of uh, uh, juice, but I only got one of bread. So, y'all, if you want to, just pass that around and let everybody have a piece of that. Now, this is matzah. This is unleavened bread. Yeah, y'all pass those things around if y'all want to, uh, any, however y'all want to do it, just so that everybody gets some, uh, whatever you need to do there. I want you to know that a lot of churches today use a loaf of bread it's with leaven in it. Now, I'm going to tell you that our Savior, this bread right here, this matzah, this is the true Jewish bread. This bread has no leaven in it. This bread was cooked. It has stripes on it, and it has holes in it. And the reason for that, the stripes are his stripes, and the holes, he was the bread of life, and he was the one that pierced. So you really want to use the real stuff, use Jewish matzah, the Jewish matzah, when they make it, that's why he was the bread of life. We don't realize how our Savior put everything together for us so precisely that he said, I am the bread of life. Now then, the bread of life, he said, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. So when they pierce this bread before they cook it, then when they lay it in there on that little grill, they'll cook it, it has burned stripes on it. And so those stripes represent the stripes of our Savior. And there's so, everything is so perfect because the Lord has bore in His own body for you and me the sickness and disease of the whole world. Now then, if He did that for us, while they're passing that out, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you, and I'm going to read in Isaiah 53, and then I'm going to read in, as I read Isaiah 53, it says in verse 3, 4, and 5, he, in Isaiah 53, 3, 4, and 5, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief or pain. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and pains. That word grief in the Hebrew means pain. Surely has borne our griefs or pains. And in the, in the uh, uh, Amplified, I think it has that uh, translation there. Surely he has borne our griefs or pains, carried our sorrows or sicknesses, and we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now then, if he bore that and he did all that, when we take the bread, the communion bread, if we claim by faith the healing power of the bread of life for our physical bodies, as we put that in our human physical body, it will give us strength for the healing of our bodies. By faith, you receive the healing power of Jesus through the gift that he provided 
by his body. And so, yeah, just let me have one. Yeah. Everybody got one now. Everybody got one. Everybody got one. Okay, so if we've all got one, okay, you guys just stand right here. Let's come together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Father, for Jesus, our Savior, that came to this earth 2,000 years ago, that bore in his own body our griefs, our sickness, and our disease. And today we receive that magnificent gift that he paid by faith Lord, if we have any kind of a sin or anything, I ask you right now to quicken our hearts to these sins. And, Lord, thank you for it. And we will get right with you completely, 100%. We will confess our sins so we will not be judged of the Father. And so we'll judge ourselves. We will get right with you. And now then, Lord, that we've done that, we praise you and thank you that if we partake of this bread, this bread is the healing power of Jesus as we eat this flesh, that it heals our physical bodies. And we thank you and praise you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now then, y'all pass out the drink, the juice. And as we read that in Isaiah 53, I want to turn to you now in Matthew 8, 16, and 17. And I want to read Matthew 8, 16, and 17 while they're passing out the drink. Matthew 8, 16, and 17, the Lord says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. All that were sick. How did he get rid of the evil spirits? He cast them out with a word. Now, if Jesus had the power to cast out demons with a word, and in John 14, 12, he says, whatever Jesus did, we can do the same thing. So how much power do we have to cast out demons? The same power that he had. All power is given to us to cast out these demons. After Jesus had cast out the demons and healed all that were sick, how many did he heal? All. Remember that. When people say, well, I need to come and I, ask, I need to ask the Lord for healing but I'm not sure he wants to heal me. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be healed. How many did he heal when he was here on the earth? All. What is his will to heal? How many? All. It's okay. No problem. Just, be, just stand up normal. Just walk right on. No problem. The thing about it is, if our Lord, this is the thing I want you to think about. Our Lord, when he was here, he was so compassionate and so merciful to us. Even when they came to take him away, to take him to the cross, when one of the men grabbed a sword and headed toward him, what did Peter do? He grabbed a sword and he whacked to cut that guy's head off, and the guy dodged, and what did he cut off? His ear. What did the Lord do? Oh, you mean he didn't say, good, you need to go ahead and kill him because he's trying to kill me? No. That ain't what he said at all, was it, Benjamin? He said, stop it, enough of this. And he reached down into the dirt and picked up that man's cut-off ear and put it back upon the side of his enemy's head and healed his enemy. Now, if the Savior loves us enough to heal his enemies, what does he want to do for his children if you will receive him by faith? What does he want to do? 
He wants to heal us. He wants to heal us, but He's a faith God. If you don't speak healing out of your mouth, if you don't believe He's a healer, He will let you go, and He will let you be judged of yourself, and you'll judge yourself incorrectly, because you will think, well, Jesus must not be wanting to heal me. Or you come up and somebody, just like a woman told me the other day, she said, I went down to some foreign country, her and her husband on a missionary trip, and she said, the first three houses I came to, I prayed for the first three, uh, and nothing happened. And then I was at, I think it was the fourth house, there was a woman, and she was a Muslim, and said, I prayed for her, and she was instantly healed, and said, the whole family came to Christ. She said, Thurman, I got a question. Why was that one healed, and the others wasn't? I said, they were all healed. What you didn't do, the first three were healed. The fourth one was a miracle to glorify God so he could bring that group of Muslims into the family of God. But I said, you stopped their healing when you said they were not healed. I said, now, when you pray the prayer of faith for someone, you lay hands on them, you pray, and you say, by the power of Jesus' stripes, by his stripes we were healed, and his blood gives us all power over the enemy. So when I lay my hands on you, you are healed. Now then, if they don't get up and walk out right then, does that mean they was not healed? No, it does not. It means the healing power is flowing through them. Whenever you pray for somebody, most of the time in my life, people have not received a miracle. Now, I've seen a few of those, praise God. But this little girl that's sitting back here, my grandbaby, when I prayed for her that first day, did we see any change? No. Did I see any change the second day? No. Did we see any change the third day? No. Somebody said, well, Thurman, he's not going to heal her. I said, oh, yeah, he's going to heal her. It's a done deal. I ain't confessing that negative stuff, I guarantee. Maybe he didn't raise her. In fact, I even told him. I said, that's all right. In a week, she'll be up running and playing in a week. A week, she ain't never moved a muscle. She's laying there. You can't even tell any difference in her face. But does that falter my faith? No, sir. I know my God, and I know what he'll do. And so I am not going to get off into that negative realm. I'm saying I don't care because of this blood and the body of the Savior. He's made me these promises, and they're yes and amen, and he cannot lie to me. And the only way this book can fail me is if I doubt. I am not going to doubt. And so I stood on the word. And if we stood on the word, they'll take no faith now. They'll see her back there, does it, Brenda? Praise the Lord. It takes no faith. It takes no faith to see after you've seen it happen, but it takes faith to make it happen. So when you pray for somebody, if you prayed in faith, you've got to turn and say, Lord, it's done because of this blood and the body. I eat and drink this body and your blood and your body, and so when I lay hands on the sick, they're healed. In fact, when I came down here a while ago, after I left church, I went out by a man's house. I'd been down a week, and when I got to his house, I walked in the door. He could just barely walk. He was down on his back. You know what his first words was? I've been waiting for you. You know why that man was waiting for me? Because he's seen too many miracles that happen when I pray for people. I said, so when I touch you and pray for you in the name of Jesus... It's done. He said, it's done. I said, you're going back to work tomorrow. He said, I'm going back to work tomorrow. What does faith do? It moves mountains. Either that or the king lied to me and you, didn't he, J.C.? And he can't lie to me and you, can he? He can't lie. So because of this blood, 
that He died on that cross and He poured out His blood on that cross for you and me, He has given me and you forgiveness of sin by this blood. He has washed us clean and made us pure as white as snow. And when you take of this, you're renewing that contract with the King, that you're renewing the fact that He has washed away your sins. He's forgiven all of them, and He has healed you. And from this day forth, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that the Father raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, healed, delivered, made whole. Just exactly everything that the word sozo says right there. That's what that word means. That's where I got that revelation. And that's the day I received Jesus as my healer by faith 15 or 16 years ago. And from that day to this, by faith, I have continuously been saying, by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. With his blood I have power over sin, sickness, and disease. And I'll never be sick again in the name of Jesus. And I've not had one minute of sickness. But it happened all by faith because of what our precious King did for us on the cross. He is worthy to be praised. Father, I praise you and thank you. As we partake of this, I praise you for the blood. I praise you that you came to this earth, Jesus, and you did this for us so that we could be empowered to walk before you and to do great and mighty things. And, Lord, to be your sons and daughters and to walk across this country as sons and daughters of the King of the universe because we are your sons and your daughters. And technically, Lord, we are little Jesuses because we're your kids. And therefore, by being little Jesuses, we're to walk across this earth. You clearly said, as the Father has sent you, you send us. So what the Father sent you to do, you sent each one of us to do. And that is to save the lost, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. And we can do it all because of this mighty blood and this bread we just took. And we thank you and praise you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, y'all pass your cups to the edge, and these guys will pick them up for you. Praise the Lord Jesus for the body and the blood. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. If we really get a hold of those scriptures, the commentary on Isaiah 53 in Matthew 8, 16 and 7, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In fact, right there, when I read that, there was a little woman. Again, her name was Nancy, but it's been several years ago. This little woman had been in a wheelchair for, what was it, 11 years. She was 52 years old. She had been in a wheelchair 11 years with hepatitis C. And I spent, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, teaching this woman the word. And when I came to this promise, I read this and I had her to turn to it in her Bible. And when she turned in her Bible, it said that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Jesus took my sickness and bore away my disease. She looked at that a minute and she said, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, Jesus took away my sickness and bore away my disease. She looked up at me and she said, Thurman, if Jesus took all that away, then why am I sitting in this wheelchair? I said, ma'am, I was fixing to ask you the same thing. Now, what had just come inside of her? The Word. Revelation. She got it. 
And she said, I don't have to sit here anymore. I've been here for 11 years. I said, that's right, ma'am. And you don't have to sit there anymore. I said, so why don't you just throw up your hands and begin to worship the king? Begin to praise him and thank him that he heals you 2,000 years ago, and you just got revelation. Oh, she said, Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. said, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't know these things. said, thank you, Lord. And she just sat there and worshiped and praised the Lord. I said, now then, Nancy, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this spirit of hell, this spirit of hepatitis C that's attacked you in your back. I said, out of here, devil. Out of here in the name of Jesus. You lost this woman. I said, you've been here for 11 years, but you ain't got a house here no more. You're, going to, you're out. I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. I said, now then, Father, thank you for healing her. I said, Nancy, you believe God's word? She said, yes. I said, get out of that wheelchair and walk off. She jumped out of that wheelchair and ran around that room screaming and praising and worshiping the king. Just think, how long had that been available to her? All those years. What is it we don't believe about this book? People say, but Thurman, that's not what that means. Okay, then you got to me too late. Now, I've seen too many of them get up and walk off. I've seen too many people heal. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that I, I, I believe with all my heart these two ladies sitting right over here that are going to send me down to uh, Tennessee, Memphis, Mississippi, Mississippi, Tuesday morning when I get there and lay hands on that woman, I'm going to use the scripture I'm going to use is in James chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. Now, I won't, I won't before I go, before we quit, uh, we've got just a couple of minutes, I want every one of you that look at that verse, and I want you to see that that absolutely is a guarantee from God under every circumstance to heal whoever I do this over, according to James 5, 14, 15, and 16. Now, when you get to James 5, 14, 15, and 16, what does that verse say? First of all, it says, is any sick among you? Who does that include? I mean, last time I checked, I'm an anyone, aren't you, Susan? So is there any sick among you? Let that person call for the elders of the church. You think I'm an elder of the church? You think I qualify for that? I think so. Yeah, an elder of the church. I mean, you know, when you get to be 63 years old, if you're not qualified to be an elder now, I mean, you know, you're in big trouble. So let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil. Now, I always carry my nuclear bomb with me, you know. I always carry this little nuclear bomb with me. You know, that's just like the night the highway patrolman stopped me, and he's looking over there. I'm driving down the road 45 miles an hour, 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. I'm going home, and he stops me, and he comes up and says, What are you doing? And I said, Well, I'm just driving along here praising the Lord. I said, well, I wasn't breaking the law. No, he said, But you're driving 45, and you kind of crossed the line, so I, I, I didn't know what. I thought I'd better stop you and check. He said, What's in that bottle right there in the, in the uh, center seat? I, I said, That's a bottle of oil, anointing oil. He said, what do you do with that? I said, I cast out demons and heal the sick. He said, you do what? I said, I cast out demons and heal the sick. Before it was over, we stood there and talked for 30 minutes, and this guy, all of a sudden, he got a call. He said, man, i got to go, but he said, I sure am glad I stopped you tonight. <laughs> he thought, he said, just before he ran off, he said, you know what I really thought you was? I said, what? He said, I thought you was an old guy drunk, been out to the bar and going home driving 45 miles an hour, so I thought I'd stop you. I didn't realize you was drunk. But he said, you drunk on the wine of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm sure glad I stopped you tonight. Praise God. We had a great time. James 5.14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. 
Let him anoint him with oil and pray that prayer of faith. I'm going to tell you, Brother Benjamin, me and you know how to pray that prayer of faith, don't we? In the name of Jesus, we do. And the prayer of faith will make the sick person well sometimes. Oh, you've got to watch these preachers nowadays. You know that? You've got to keep an eye on them. Their prayer of faith will do what? It'll heal the sick. Is that what God says? Their prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if his sickness is due to a sin, what does the Lord say he'll do? He'll forgive the sin. So the Lord will raise him up. So when I go pray that prayer of faith for that lady and I command that sickness and disease, what's going to have to happen to that woman? She's going to have to get well. God can't lie. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell it, speak it up front, just like I did with Dr. Perry Smith that night when he come in here and said, go over to a medical center with me. And this lady by the name of Betty, 53 years old, already on her deathbed, I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. And I said, when we do, she's going to be healed. I said, if you all believe it, you can go in there with me. They went in there with me. We all believed in a matter of days. That woman is out of the hospital. Just She is just recovering nicely. She's back at home and everything. But yet she was on her deathbed that evening when he came by here. Does God's Word work? Sure it does. Did he make it hard? No. He made it so simple. It's unbelievable how simple he made it. Even a simple person like me can get it. Uh, yeah, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I mean, you can be, you don't even have to be that. I mean, this Wendell here, he's not even nothing yet. I mean, you know, he's just a 21-year-old boy. And he's got it. He's healing the sick. He's doing all kinds. Right, Wendell? You ain't got to be that. You ain't even got to be ordained as a deacon. You could just be a child of the king. That's all you got to do is realize who you are. And boy, when you get a hold of who you are, Woo, glory, that's what I say, man. It does great things. It does great things. So, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.